Thank you for downloading the One Church Podsmead podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. This morning, I am going to speak on uh, part two of our series called The 50-Day Gap. Turn to the person next to you and say, The 50-Day Gap. And if you're taking notes, uh, my title is this. It is, This is Expectation Season. Uh, If you've got your Bibles with you, let's turn to Mark 16 from verse 1 to eight it says this when the sabbath was over mary magdalene mary the mother of james and salome uh, bought spices so that they might go to anoint jesus's body very early on the first day of the week just after sunrise they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other who will roll away the stone uh, from the entrance of the tomb but when they looked up they saw that the stone which was very large had been rolled away as they entered the tomb they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed don't be alarmed he said you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified he has risen he is not here see the place where he laid them but go and tell his disciples and Peter I love that it says disciples and Peter that there's a preach in there we'll come back to that another time he is going ahead of you into Galilee There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, if you skip forward to Acts chapter 2. So there we go. Acts chapter 2 and it says this from verse 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. The they that they're talking about are the disciples, the followers of Jesus. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Two uh, incredible bits of the Bible, and uh, that these two chapters that we've read, these two uh, accounts, these two stories, they they frame a gap of fifty days. They frame this gap of 50 days that we're talking about during the, this series. You know, in, in the Jewish calendar, this 50 day gap was far more than just the aftermath of Jesus's death. Mary was off to, to the tomb with a bunch of other people and, uh, and, and they were there. They were going to anoint Jesus's body. That was the tradition in the day was to turn up and anoint the, the, the body of Jesus. Now, we know that Jesus died uh, before the Sabbath. So then they had to wait for the Sabbath day, which is a day of rest, which means ceremonially you can't do anything all day. Uh, And they had to wait for that to end in order to go and anoint Jesus's body. And then at the other end of this story, we've got in Acts 2, Pentecost, this moment of Pentecost. Now, we know it as the day when uh, the Holy Spirit came. Yeah, 
the promised one, the, 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 the person of God that, that Jesus promised that was coming. He said, I'm going to send another. But actually, there, there's a whole story. There's a whole narrative that is 6,000 years old at this point that Jews have been following this whole time. You see, there's a whole bunch of festivals and, and uh, celebration days that, that, the Jew, that was in the Jewish calendar that framed their world, framed their expectation, framed where they were at. So it started, over, started as Passover. So when Jesus was doing the Last Supper, we know that story, and Jesus was about to die, it was Passover season. And that, this was a celebration where they would celebrate their deliverance from Egypt. You know the story way, way, way back with Moses and, and all that malarkey? was Passover and, and, and they, they'd have to take a lamb and they'd put the lamb's blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would pass over them. So death would pass over them and not come to their house. Okay, it's a long story. You need to read it. Go, go read it. It's a brilliant, brilliant, amazing story. But they would celebrate this year after year that death had passed over them, that, that they didn't belong to that uh, way it was done, sorted, Death passed over them. They're, they're no longer in slavery, but they are in freedom. How cool is that? And so they were celebrating this. And then we know that Jesus was that one sacrifice once and for all on Passover. How cool is that? That his death meant that we have life. Full stop. Passover. You know, sometimes Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God. That's why. Because he was the ultimate Passover Lamb. Then uh, on, on, a, on the next day that was not a Sabbath, uh, it's First Fruits Festival, which is the beginning of this whole expectation season. And it was, it was kind of like, you know when we do Harvest Festival? So that it would be the first of their fruits. So when the first thing that they were growing in the community, whether that was carrots or potatoes or grapes or whatever it was, they would bring the first of their fruits and honour God with it. This is the first of our fruits. This is, this, there's something's growing, something's happening, harvest is coming. So that would be the first day. And then after that, that would begin the festival of weeks, which is basically this whole gap of expectation that over the next seven weeks, we're going to receive a great harvest. And harvest comes on Pentecost at the end where it was, it was basically a great big party where everybody would bring their harvest together and they would celebrate what God had blessed them with, the abundance that they have, that they have everything they need. This is what was happening in this 50-day gap. And if you work it out, it works out about seven weeks, okay? So from Easter to Pentecost, we have this 50-day gap. But you know, it was much more than just a tradition and, and a celebration. It was all designed to have people in this moment of not waiting, but in anticipation, in expectation that what I have planted at Passover, I'm going to reap a great harvest at Pentecost. And you know, we can have this same season too. We get to have this same season too. We all experience expectation gaps we all experience them in our day-to-day -day lives we're just not as good as like Hebrew people at celebrating them so for example uh, we all understand the process of planting and harvesting right 
So uh, we've just started, we, we wanted to teach Mayor a little bit about that. And so we got some cress seeds, didn't we, May May? And we got some cress and we planted it in some water and some tissue paper because you can do that with cress. Isn't it weird? <laughs> weird. Anyway, and every day we've been going and checking on it and it's grown and it's sprouted and it's grown. And we had egg and cress sandwiches this week because Maya did a great job of watering her cress and looking after it. We all understand the process of putting a seed in the ground and seeing its fruit. But what about the expectation gap of engagement? I got engaged sometime. <laughs> Some other time, I can't remember when I was going to try and remember. I can't, I don't know when it was. It was sometime in 2011. And um, you get engaged and that is the signals the Passover. No, uh, the, the moment, <laughs> the moment of anticipation and expectation that in, in a moment we're going to be married. There's an end point, there's an expectation gap and you start doing all this planning and preparation. Lisa's just about got over it, uh, right? Are you feeling okay now? Got over that whole traumatic period where you have to plan a wedding and all those things. It's, it's a really exciting time of anticipation and everybody's like, oh, are you ready yet? And you're like, I have no idea. I've never done this before. You tell me. And they're uh, all buying a house. You have this moment where your offer's accepted but then the solicitors take all your money. I mean, they do some sort of work uh, and checks. And, uh, and I was right the first time. Thanks, Mike. And, uh, and, and they're doing stuff in the background while you're waiting. There's this moment of expectation and you start packing boxes and you start preparing yourself and, and getting ready and, and, and letting go of all those memories that that house held and all those sorts of things. There's a process of expectation. And then there's pregnancy. Man alive, am I feeling pregnant the last couple of days in this heat. My baby's due in July. What the heck? It's going to be a hot couple of months. And, um, but this, this season of um, expectation, when you find out that you're having a baby, you then start to have to think of like, things like names. You have to get clothes ready. I've just taken down like about 10 bags of vacuum-packed clothes um, that many of you have all bought for Maya over the years. And I've kept hold of them because we're having another girl. So I'm starting to like sort through it all. And it's killing me and uh, get Liam took a week off and he's painted the baby's room and got it all ready there's a season come on <laughs> he was he was gutted right because he went into the room and he was he just like pulled like a uh, you know those television wire boxes off and he pulled it off and pulled half the plaster off the wall and he's like i'm gonna have to plaster it as well now you can imagine the conversation we had but this it's a season of expectation and you start to prepare you become prepared for what's going to happen in the end and and god wants us to live in a season of expectation we always have the permission to live in a season of expectation. You see, what was planted at Passover in Jesus' death will be completed at Pentecost. There will be a harvest. As followers of Jesus, he has set us up to live in a season of expectation. What he planted at Passover, we will see. 
We will have the fruit of. We will live out the fact that uh, uh, Liam said it earlier that we were dead in our sin, but now we are alive in Christ. And we will see the fruit of that in our lives. Because of this, we can wait in expectation, not disappointment, not discouragement, not disgruntled and disappointed. But we get to live in a season of expectation. But we have to get intentional about remembering. Just like Israel and all their festivals, it was all set up to remember. This isn't a season of disappointment. This isn't an empty season. This isn't a a nothing season. This is a season of expectation. How cool is that? Right, if you don't quite believe me yet, uh, uh, let me show you. Let me teach you a little principle. And, and if you go to Isaiah 55 verse 10, hopefully it's going to come up on the screen. It says this. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. What's, what's God saying in this moment? He's saying, what I say goes. It, it doesn't return void, it says in another translation. It says, my word does not return void. It does not return empty. It returns full. That's what he's saying. And, and God's word is often referred to as seed in the Bible, isn't it? You know, Jesus talked about the sower who scattered the seed and some of it fell on the, you know, the story, right? If you don't, that's cool. I can point you in the direction later. But the, it's referred to time and time again as seed, as seed, as seed. And then in, in the beginning of John, in John 1, uh, uh, Jesus is referred to like this. It says, in the beginning, God was the word and God, the word was with God and the word is God. Yeah. And it's a bit of like, what, what's that all about? And then we read in John 12, verse 24, Jesus is referring to himself and it says this. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds it produces many seeds or in another version it says let me make it clear a single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops to the ground and dies because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat all because one grain died what Jesus was saying through all of this is this if my if my word is my seed and it does not return void. Even though it seems like something's died, even though it seems like something isn't obvious on Passover, like it's, imagine Mary approaching the tomb and her, her Messiah, her saviour, the, the person that delivered her from seven demons and, and, and renewed her and, and, and met her in this beautiful moment, had died. It doesn't mean it won't, it's not going to return void. It's going to have produce. It's going to have, something's going to happen. And Jesus is saying, I'm the word and my word you have, right? So when I plant it, 
It's not going to return void. Something's going to come out of it. Like, like my plot here, what he was saying is if you take my word, take me as who I am, and you plant it in, in, in the soil, and you allow it to go into and embed itself into your life, something is going to start to happen whether you can see it now or not. This is what this whole season of expectation was about, was seeds going in the ground. And he was talking about his death. He was predicting his death. But, but the same goes for us and his word day in, day out. I'm going to sow this seed. I'm going to allow this seed to die. But what's actually happening beneath the service is it's in seclusion. It's hidden. I can't see it. But over time, what will happen is it will die. The seed dies. And when it dies, the casing breaks down and the sprout of potential comes forth. How cool is that? And this is what Jesus was saying is it's, it's be, it needs to be a season of expectation just because you can't see it because it's in seclusion, just because it's not obvious and, and you can't see the fruit of what I've spoken over you right now. It's still working. There's sti- it's not, I'm, my word won't return void. My promise to you won't return void. If I've said it, it will happen. Harvest is coming. Potential is released. His word planted does not return void. You see, all, all these disciples in this moment had missed the point. And Jesus told this to them face to face. Unless, unless this happens, it will stop with me. But I'm going to produce a great harvest. I'm going to use you to do it. How cool is that? You know, this expectation season, just like the seed of potential, Jesus was looking at his disciples and he saw fishermen and he saw, uh, he saw young men and he saw women who were despised in the community. He saw a woman that once was full of uh, demons and, and, and was a nightmare in the community. He saw the prostitutes and the, the tax collectors and the, the no-gooders and he saw all these people and he didn't just see them as just a seed that's going to die. He saw them as seeds of potential. He knew that the Pentecost day was coming. He was like, I'm going to lay down my life so that you can live in the fruit of what I am planting. He took fishermen and rough people and stupid people and thick people like Thomas who gets this horrible reputation and and, and the low parts of society and he says you've got potential and I'm going to do this in you and you've got to go through this gap but at the end I'm going to make you brave Peter I'm going to make you stand up in front of 3,000 people and lead them all to me so that they become followers too I'm going to send you out into all the earth and you're going to do miracles on my behalf you're going to see the lame walk and deaf ears open that's what Jesus was saying this is a season of expectation not a gap of disappointment when we know this when we really know this principle every season is a season of expectation every season is a season of expectation but you know Mary turned up at the grave out of duty and not out of expectation that story we read in Mark. She was turning up out of her duty because somebody had to uh, put the spices on on the body and and wrap Jesus up. It was a very like complicated process and stuff, and it, it would always be the women's job. It was always the duty of the woman to go and uh, and and look after the body. 
And she was turning up out of duty. You see, the truth is this. Duty is the enemy of expectation. Duty is the enemy of expectation. Duty means this. It means it's lawfully required. It's an obligation and it's binding. An opportunity means this. A time or a set of circumstances that make it possible to do something. So duty on one side is, is, is something I have to do. I have to do this. And on the other side, you have opportunity, which is something I get to do. I get to do this. How cool is that? There's two different things, and we can approach most of the time being dutiful instead of seeing opportunity. The season has both things in tension, in gaps, and in these seasons where I can't see much happening yet. You can, you can either approach those seasons out of duty or you can approach them out of opportunity. I have to do it or I get to do it. So let's do a, let's do a duty test, okay? Are you ready? And we're going to have hands up, okay? So hands up. Who does it? Who puts the bins out out of duty? Who puts the bins out out of opportunity? He's not... <laughs> He's not even lying. I I, he, does, he just loves putting the bins out. He hates having overflowing bins. He genuinely sees it as an opportunity to keep the house clean and tidy. I honestly won the lottery. I can't even, I can't even argue with him. Uh, okay, who, who does exercise out of duty? I don't even do, I don't even do exercise. Uh, who, who does exercise? Who sees exercise as an opportunity? I don't believe I don't believe you. I don't believe you. That's a really healthy mindset, but I am not there yet. Um, okay, what about vegetables? Duty? Or opportunity? Yeah, you lovely. Okay, going to school. Is it duty? Yeah, and who, uh, I bet everybody over the age of 18 is about to put their hand up. Who, who sees school as an opportunity? Yes, I know. Remember those days? Wasn't it great? Uh, what about, okay, oh, uh, uh, duty is uh, going to church. And what about opportunity? You can all come again next week. Connor, don't, you're not invited, mate. Well, but it's true. Sometimes I can see it as a duty, in all honesty. What about, uh, okay, are you ready? Marriage. Duty? Come on. Heidi's not in here, Andy. You can be as honest as you want, mate. <laughs> An opportunity. A limp opportunity over there. Okay. I had Hugh at the back putting a limp hand up and Mike kissing Brenda at the front. It's a very, we're, you know, we take all sorts here. Uh, okay, this is a good one. Visiting the in-laws. Oh, sorry. Uh, an opportunity and the rest of you are like I am not even answering okay <laughs> but it's true isn't it we have uh, we have this tension don't we between like is this a duty or is this an opportunity 
Is the, and and I, I think we can approach our, our, uh, our relationship with Jesus, our, our followship of Jesus, our following of Jesus like this too. Sometimes we can accidentally put things in a duty box instead of an opportunity box. So I'm not going to ask you now, but, but think of this list. Is, is giving an opportunity or is it a duty? Is worship and being thankful, is that a duty or is it an opportunity? Is it, what about praying? Is that, does that become a duty where you're like, oh, I probably ought to pray? Or is it an opportunity? Is it, what about inviting people to Jesus? Is that my duty? Or is it my opportunity? What about serving others and serving his church? Is that a duty? Or is it an opportunity? Sometimes all of those things have been in my duty box. Other times I've remembered to put them in my opportunity box. <laughs> you know, on, on Friday, um, there was uh, uh, the, this emergence weekend that Liam was talking about earlier meant that all the uh, key uh, leaders of, of the, the youth ministries across all the expressions of one church were uh, were away at this thing and uh, and we had an uprising night which is where we gather all the youth groups and we get a guest speaker in you guys were there it was amazing loved having you there and and you know what I was like I'm gonna this is gonna be tough I've got to lead this and um, I felt on my own a little bit and a bit like how are we gonna pull this off and uh, and I was there from six until 12 30 midnight and uh and do you know what? I went into it and I was like, for a little second, I was like, oh, I can't do this. This feels like duty. <laughs> I'm doing this because I've said yes. <laughs> I'm doing this because I ought to have said yes. And I'd put it in my duty box. And then just over a few thoughts in my head and telling us probably from the Holy Spirit, I, I, I chose instead to go, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity and, and God did some incredible things and at the, the end of the, over a hundred young people gathered there, it was hot, we got ice pops and stuff, it was okay. And, uh, but at the end of the night, uh, to see nearly every young person come and respond at the front on their knees, arms, and the, the, the guest speaker had invited them to, to take a label off basically. And, uh, and write it down on a post-it note and stick it on the front, all nameless so that nobody knew who it was. And at the end of the night, I gathered the team together who pushed real hard to pull this event off and make it incredible. And, and I, I'd picked up all the post-it notes and gathered them all and, and we went through them. And there were things on there like, uh, I'm leaving my addiction to porn here I, I, I'm leaving I'm taking off the label of uh, I don't want to live I'm taking off the label of nobody loves me I'm taking off the la and they'd laid all these labels to imagine imagine if I'd gone in there and at, in the brief time of the team were like oh yeah we're here again isn't this hard work I put it in my duty imagine if I put it in my duty box and had forgotten that Pentecost was coming imagine it wouldn't have been the same because I was in charge, I had the authority. I had to say, come on team, this is, this is an opportunity. We're going to see young people get set free tonight. We're going to see young people that once were lost now be found. And, uh, and we did, we saw incredible, amazing miracles that night. And, and all because 
really push myself to put it in my opportunity box, not my duty box. Duty completely removes opportunity. So how can we how can we remove this sense of duty and live in a season of expectation that God whose word does not return void has prepared for us? How can we do that? Here's a couple of ways. Number 1 is this. See opportunities, not duties. Don't look at the seed, imagine the harvest. Don't look at the seed imagine the harvest don't look at this bean that I've put in here I'm thinking about the dinners that I'm going to eat off it for the last two weeks we've been talking about egg and cress sandwiches because we planted seeds and we weren't thinking about the seeds we knew that we were going to have beautiful lovely fresh cress it was worth the wait totally worth the wait with real Hellman's mayonnaise not rubbish stuff you know not the cheap stuff but we were concentrating on the harvest not the seed when you concentrate on the harvest when you imagine the harvest I imagine my cousins who are far 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 away from Jesus in church with me worshipping I, I, I imagine I imagine the people that are full of brokenness in my world coming and sitting on these seats next to me I can't wait for some of the young people that I, I, once were in youth and now they're not and then stuff's going on in their world I can't wait for them to be here on a Sunday and they're saying hey can I carry your bags for you Lisa can I, can I serve tea and coffee for you this morning can I do this because I'm not concentrating on the seed I'm concentrating on the harvest I can't wait for when you feel uncomfortable with the fact that you are sitting next to your son's drug dealer in church on a Sunday because they are coming to know Jesus I, I, I can't wait to see in our, our life groups broken families being made whole I, I, I can't wait for us to do another baptism service where whole families get saved while they watch their young people uh, uh, be baptized because they're choosing to be a follower of Jesus. I, I can't wait until this community is no longer looked at as one that is a bit of a mm, deprived place and nothing really happens there. But actually, this is the life and the soul of Gloucester. This is what I'm talking about when I'm saying, stop looking at the seed and start focusing on the harvest. The second thing is this. Thank God for first fruits. I love that the day after or the, the next day other than Sabbath after Passover the Israelites would bring the first of their fruits what was that that was like being pre-thankful pre-thankful I'm not going to wait to see the harvest to be thankful I'm already thanking God for the fact that every drug dealer in this community is going to be sat in my church one day I'm, I'm already thanking God that the, the perpetrators of all these crimes and stuff that we see in the, the newspapers all the time I, I can't wait for them to be I'm already thanking God for the fact they're going to be sat here and they're going to be worshipping God and they're going to be lifting hands and, and abandoning themselves in praise I, I can't wait I'm already thanking God for the miracle in, in my body I'm already thanking God for the miracle that I need to take place in my family. I'm already thanking him for the provision that I need over my life. Why? Because the harvest is coming, but I'm going to be thankful first. Be thankful for first fruits. Number three is this. Be ready for your personal encounter. God doesn't do generic. 
If he did, you'd all look the same. God doesn't do generic, because if he did, every star in the sky would be the same. God doesn't do generic, because if he did, every snowflake would be completely identical. God doesn't do generic. He does intimate. He does individual. He does unique. He does relationship. That's what my God does. You see in this gap, and as we go over this in the next couple of couple of weeks, we're going to look at all these moments where Jesus appeared to the disciples after his death in the lead up to Pentecost. He took 50 days to one by one make sure everybody was in the room by Pentecost. He went and he found Peter who was fishing because he went back to what he knew to do because he didn't know what else to do and he went and he met the guys on the, the road to Emmaus and he, he, he met with Mary Magdalene who, who didn't know what to do because her saviour had been taken from her. He went and met with uh, the disciples and appeared to them in a room and then waited and invited Thomas to come later. He made sure everybody was in the room. He made sure everybody was in the room on the day of Pentecost. He took that 50-day gap to prepare, to make right, to give whatever individual need that person had over those 50 days to make sure they were all in the room. So church, this is expectation season. This is expectation season. And I've got a strong word just to finish here and we're just going to finish out the service in just a second. And It's a strong word and it's this. Can we stop turning up to a resurrection party with funeral flowers? That's what Mary did. She turned up to the grave with funeral flowers, celebrating something that was dead. But that's not what was happening. It was a resurrection party. He's not here. He is risen. The one you're coming to look for, he's risen. And you know, we all go through awful things sometimes and we're in seasons where that expectation gap feels like a disappointment gap. I, for one, certainly get that. And, and you take your time if you're in that season. But for the rest of us that aren't in that season and we've got a bit of disappointment, but that's nothing mega, can we please stop turning up with funeral flowers? Can we turn up like we're ready for an expectation party of resurrection? Can we turn up expectant that God is going to move? Can you turn up on Sunday expecting that there's going to be somebody you've never met before walking through the doors? Can you turn up to where wherever it is in your world and expect that Jesus wants to move here today because that's what's going to turn the world upside down that's what's going to turn our community upside down turning up full of faith full of anticipation full of expectation that today is a good day because I serve a good God and he's going to move in power can we do that? it matters it matters when we're we're sat in this hot stifling room and worship starts I don't I don't want to invite people from the community to a room where people aren't really getting it I want to 
invite them to a room full of people that are like going mental and they're like this is freaking me out let's freak people out because we've got something to celebrate we're not celebrating something dead we're celebrating something alive but can we can we when we're praying over the prayer and praise reports when we're doing that can we pray it with faith and further can we open our mouths and say yes Jesus we believe you can we believe you can can we turn up to our life groups excited because you're going to help disciple the other person that sat on the sofa with you can can we turn up uh, to serve on a Sunday full of uh, joy and life because that's what we have to offer people you don't have anything else all we have to offer is joy and life and peace and love and belonging all those things can we be those people because we're not a church that has funeral flowers we never have been but we are going to be committed in these days ahead of us to bring our party to the resurrection party yes let's pray let's pray and uh, we'll, we'll finish on a song Philippa uh, if you didn't take the hint, it will be a praise song. And because uh, this is a resurrection party. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you that, God, the season didn't stop on Passover. But it continued to a day of Pentecost. And God, we just commit ourselves to this season of expectation that every season we're in, is a season of expectation. God, would you help us to wake up every morning and open our eyes and say, hey, today is a good day because I'm in a season of expectation. Pentecost is coming. I thank you, God, that you did what you needed to do on the cross and you rose again to life so that we can have life and life in all its fullness. And God, we commit as a church not to bring funeral flowers out of duty, but to turn up seeing that this is an opportunity, an opportunity, and this is a resurrection party where you, Lord God, are changing lives you are making dead things alive we believe in the potential that you've seeded in our lives that it will burst forth and we will see the fruit and we declare that right now in the name of Jesus and if you believe it why don't you just say Amen Hey church, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to praise God as we finish this service. And uh, we hope you have an excellent week. Bring your world next week for part three. Thanks, Oliver. Let's again, let's praise.